0: Do you want to go down to a 40-hour week without losing revenue? If you're ready to let go of all the extra hours, the stress, the overwhelm, and the clients who hijack your time, consider my signature program, Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind. In it, we'll get your accounting practice under control. We'll fix your pricing problems. I'll show you ways to price so you stop giving away the farm so you bring in more revenue for the work you're already doing. I'll help you disengage the clients who are good people but are holding your business back and slowing you down. I'll help you package up your services and design them so they're easy for your clients to understand and choose from while helping you simplify and standardize what you sell. And we'll focus on making your messaging more interesting and compelling so you attract more of the kinds of clients you want to work with and break out of the hodgepodge of referrals trap. We get your prices up, we get your workload down. We standardize, we simplify, we streamline. And we do this at a pace that feels doable, where you feel confident in every choice you make. Prices up, workload down. Registration is open now. We start Tuesday, May 7th. Come with us. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to find out more.
1: Nobody goes into business, so that way they could say, oh, I want my entire life to be dictated by this 24-7 job. They go into business to have a flexible life. They go into business to be able to live the dreams that them and their families have talked about. And if we can get money into their hands, they can start living out the dreams that they have and really changing generations.
0: Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. My guest today is Tracy Jepson, founder and owner of TLJ Bookkeeping and Consulting. Tracy started her bookkeeping practice as a side hustle in an effort to get out of debt. Four years later, her practice now includes small business strategy consulting and advisory services to work in partnership with businesses to create permanent profitability. I wanted to have Tracy on the show today to talk to her about her journey from charging by the hour to moving to retainer, how she listened to really understand what her clients were asking her for, how that informed the addition of advisory services. And then how in time she niched down and niched down again to make her own life easier and watched her business grow as a result. This is a longer interview, and I can promise you there are a bunch of gems in here, no matter where you are on your journey as a CPA accountant or bookkeeper. So please enjoy. Here's Tracy Jepson. Tracy, welcome to the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast.
1: Thank you, Geraldine, for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to have you. We have a lot of great stuff to talk about, and I'm really looking forward to diving in. But before we do that, my first question for you is, what was your very first experience as an entrepreneur?
1: I think my cousin and I were probably seven years old, and we were staying the weekend at my grandmother's house, and we decided to have a lemonade stand. So we put up this lemonade stand in the middle of the country. They have this super long driveway and no one ever comes by. And we had our very first customer and we sold our lemonade for 50 cents and we had a 25 cent tax. And that (laughs) is when, that is when the customer, um, he couldn't believe that we had such a high tax percentage and I had no idea what he was talking about. I just knew there was supposed to be tax on whatever you sold and he didn't want our lemonade because he didn't like our tax rate. (laughs) I mean we're talking this is probably like 1987 <laughs> and and i was charging tax on lemonade i
0: love it and a high tax rate a 50 tax rate
1: a very high tax rate i think uh that could go into a lot of conversation with our politics these days <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: You could have offered him a receipt for it. He could have deducted it.
1: Oh, I know. I I feel like I should have had a receipt book there and everything, but we had our little cigar box to keep our change in. And I think the only customer that we actually ended up selling anything to was my grandfather that day when he came home from work.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) So what did that make you think about entrepreneurship? Were you like, this is for the birds. This doesn't work. Or were you like, okay, I'm going to figure out what's going on and try it again.
1: My grandfather had to tell us that we couldn't charge tax on it and that that was the problem. And he also just said that if we wanted to make more money to just increase our rates.
0: <laughs> just charge 75 cents instead of, yeah.
1: Which, yeah, interestingly enough has served me well over my career.
0: Mm, Why is grandfather important lesson?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So... Let's jump into where you are now then with your bookkeeping and consulting practice. So why don't you tell us a little bit about TLJ Consulting and bookkeeping?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was sort of an accidental entrepreneur, as so many of us are. I started this business when my husband and I were getting out of debt, and this was ultimately the thing that, that helped us get there. So once I replaced my full-time income, I resigned from my career um, in nonprofit and um, now work with about 70 different clients across the country, doing either bookkeeping or consulting or some of both. I am able to work from home and I'm starting to add a team and really grow what we're able to do and and how much we're able to help clients.
0: Okay. Got it. And. We detect a hint of something southish kind of accent. So tell people where you are.
1: So I'm in Topeka, Kansas. I'm actually I don't think I have an accent, but I get that a lot. It's very it's very funny to hear that. But yes, we're right in the center of the United States, and um, we're serving people all over the country.
0: This is a total aside, but I once read in The Economist that Kansas actually is statistically flatter than a pancake.
1: I've actually heard that as well. Um, I I read an article <laughs> about that. I think it's been a long time, like maybe when I was in college, that, yes, that the ebbs and flows in a pancake surface are, in fact, um, larger than those of us in Kansas. Yes. So, If you saw the Flint Hills, you might not feel the same, but um, I actually love being in the Midwest, being able to see hundreds of miles um, or what it seems like hundreds of miles. It's clearly just several um, at a time in the evening or driving through Western Kansas. It's one of the most gorgeous things that people in the city will never get to experience.
0: I love the Midwest. It's really pretty. So going back to your bookkeeping practice, you started out, I presume, as kind of a regular typical bookkeeper. Is that right? Would you say?
1: Yeah, I started out just, again, because this was sort of a side hustle at the time, and I was just wanting to earn more income. I actually threw an ad out on Craigslist saying, hey, I can do bookkeeping for folks. You know, I wasn't expecting a whole lot, and within about 24 hours, I had three new clients, and they were all in different areas of their careers. Some needed bookkeeping set up for them. Some had cleanup work. And then one of the other ones, he at least sort of had his act together and had something established that I was able to just continue for him. Um, so I would call it regular bookkeeping. I was, you know, reconciling accounts, making sure balance sheets added up, you know, just making sure that they had good numbers um, at the end of the quarter, end of the month. Some of these were, were such small organizations. At the time, we were only doing quarterly bookkeeping. And now I have such different opinions on what I would have ever done with those clients to begin with. Um, but again, it was certainly the the first time I was being an entrepreneur and, and learning what my customers needed versus what they said they wanted.
0: Gotcha. 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 Yes, the difference between what people need and what they want and what they say they want can all be different things.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think even just from a sheer bookkeeping standpoint, you'll get the clients who they don't value numbers. So they're the cheap ones who want to either have quarterly numbers or they want you to do the least amount possible because they don't want to pay you to do more, but they don't understand what they're really even asking for. They just know that they need to save money. And those people oftentimes aren't even ready to have a full-time bookkeeper um, and maybe need something different, such as you know, a quarterly just kind of look over to see what they're doing. Could be a number of different things. Um, But I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that those clients don't even know what they need because they don't know what the purpose of having excellent numbers is in their business. They just know that at the end of the day, they want Uncle Sam to be happy and they need something to give a CPA to file their taxes at the end of the year.
0: So at what point did you realize that something bigger was needed than what clients were simply asking for?
1: There was a couple of things that happened and they were almost simultaneous. um, As I grew my client base and again was able to go full time in in my practice i got bored i was bored <laughs> out of my mind i decided that i also kind of hate bookkeeping not that i hate it because i i love what i do and i love being able to untangle messes and and i see bookkeeping as a puzzle that i like to be able to to complete but i was bored because i wanted to do more for these folks i saw that they had horrible cash flow problems I saw that they had spending habits that weren't going to be in alignment with being profitable. I saw that they were, you know, borrowing funds when they didn't even need to, they could have, you know, cut out a few things and I wanted to be able to tell them this, but I was their bookkeeper. You know what, in my mind, what right did I have or what was my authority to say here? I actually have a better way for you. When I wasn't in their industry, I, wasn't working for their business. I mean, I was working for their business, but not in their business. And so I just didn't know how to really break that cycle. At the same time, I was seeing questions in my inbox from these clients saying, how can I make more money? How can I pay less in taxes? What should I be doing in order to bring more customers in? They were asking me questions that had nothing to do with bookkeeping. They they were right there in front of me yelling, you know, from the top of their lungs, how do I do better? How do I make more money? I mean, they needed to know these things, but I didn't feel like I had credibility to tell them because I was just a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. And that's when the switch really flipped for me. I, I was actually called into the Ken Coleman show. And if you're familiar at all with Ken Coleman, he is part of Dave Ramsey's team and he helps people um, find alignment with their career choices. And when I was talking to him and I told him what I wanted to do, um, you know, he told me that I do have the credibility and I do have the knowledge to help these business owners. And I don't know why I needed that validation, but I felt as if I did. And so I went back to a client and I said, Hey, you know, if we could talk about a few other things about your profitability or, or how to use these reports in your business, how to read your PL, what it could mean for you, you know, some of the changes we could make by using your numbers. You know, what would that look like? And and would that be something that you'd pay me extra for? And the answer was resoundingly yes. So I asked a couple more so I could test this whole theory out. And everyone wanted more than what they were getting because they needed it. They wanted to know how to make more money and they were willing to pay a premium for that.
0: So you're clearly hearing the message from your clients that they want more expertise, they need more guidance, and they're willing to pay a premium for it. So what was the first sort of step for you? What was the first thing that you set up in terms of additional services that went beyond bookkeeping? And how did you decide to price it?
1: So actually, because I'm sort of the person who wanted the the validation um, even though I didn't really, you know, think that I was the advisor type, um, I actually just sought out Profit First professionals and decided to sign up with them so that, that way I could learn more about um, how to increase profitability in people's businesses. I was already using Profit First for my cash flow plan, and it was brilliant. I was and able just to-
0: for our listeners, really quick, just tell them, tell them a tiny bit about Profit First, just oh, so they know if they haven't heard of it.
1: Sure. So Profit First is a book by um, author Mike McCallowitz. He writes a lot of different business books, anything from The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, um, different books just to help um, simplify business concepts for those who are who are entrepreneurs and running businesses. And through Profit First, they have a program where CPAs, bookkeepers, coaches can join their program, Learn how to implement the system in clients' businesses and also help guide them through other questions and coaching um, to gain profitability and be a part of this educational system that they have internally as well. And they also teach us how to price our services and set up systems so that way we're we're working with the right types of clients, we're bringing value to our existing clients that we already have, or bringing on clients specifically for profit-first implementation. So the first service that I created for my clients through the advisory is was actually teaching them how to read reports. That wasn't something that I saw as a bookkeeping role, even though I would present reports to them. I expected them as a business owner to know what to do with it. And <laughs> surprise, they actually don't no. know what to do with no, it. No, they have no idea. Um, and if you show somebody a balance sheet, it's like blank stares. Oh my
0: God, yeah. Don't
1: even whip out the cash flow statement because there is you know, nothing that they're going to understand about that. So, the very first thing we started teaching clients was to read the reports. Mm-hmm. Not only, not even what to do with them at that point, but just how to read them, understanding an income statement, understanding what the different pieces of a balance sheet were and how they tied together and why it was important for their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we started with the basics because I, I guess I was under the assumption as a business owner myself at the time and as someone who did bookkeeping. I thought that's something that every entrepreneur knew. No. I had much higher expectations <laughs> for my clients. Than what was really there.
0: Yeah, I think this is a huge. I don't want to say oversight, but like you say, assumption that people make, bookkeepers and CPAs make, is that business owners understand what's on a P and L and what's on a balance sheet. And we're both shaking our heads. We're like, no, they don't.
1: And something, something I think that I hear from my bookkeeping clients because I'm not a CPA and I do not do tax. I, you know, payroll, payroll tax, that's fine, but I don't do tax of any sort other than that. And I think the the resounding Um, The thing that I hear from clients the most is that when they speak to their CPA, they feel like they're being talked over or over their head and they don't understand the concepts that the CPA is explaining to them. Even if if they're getting tax strategy provided to them, they don't understand how to implement it or what it means. They don't know the difference between being taxed as an S-Corp versus an LLC or a sole proprietorship. They don't know any of this. And I think as an industry, we assume they know a lot more than they do, and they just don't.
0: They don't. A lot of business owners still get confused between gross and net. Like they're really at the starting line, and we've got to remember where they are and talk and make sure we find out where they are before we just start talking at them with all these terms that they are just not fluent in.
1: Absolutely, and I think that I think that since I've moved to sort of advisory services with my clients, I have learned to really take a step back mm-hmm. and almost expect that a, that an entrepreneur knows nothing about the things that we're going to be able to teach them. And a lot of times, I get back, you know, from them that they're so excited to learn. They don't necessarily want to do the hands on. They don't want to do the bookkeeping, but they want to understand it and they want someone to teach them and to have the patience to go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, otherwise, we're just going to get clients, you know, nodding their head and kind of blank stares. And some people may assume that they think, okay, well, they're bored with this. And, you know, it's nothing that they want to know about. But I can tell you, they absolutely want to know more. And they want to learn about their numbers and what's expected them from them, from the IRS, from the state departments. They, they want to be compliant. Um, there's so many... Businesses that you hear of out there that you know aren't paying their sales tax or they're not filing the right forms, and I've started to learn that it's not because we have so many non-compliant people out there. We have people who just don't know better, and we have people who are working with them who aren't guiding them and educating them. And in our company, education is like our number one immutable law that we want education not only for our clients but for ourselves so we can continue to get better for them. Because they need that education.
0: Yeah, it totally empowers them and they want to be empowered. Because, like you say, they want to make more money, they want to know how to get more customers, and they can't get after those things until they understand the basics of their numbers.
1: Well, and as the bookkeeper, you know, we have the insight as to everything that's going on in their business. We're seeing the behind the scenes that nobody else does. So, even if their social media looks amazing and all their marketing looks so good and they have lots of customers and people assume they're doing very well in business. We know the difference. We can see that we can see that they are struggling and that they don't know what to do with taxes and they don't know what to do with the number of people that they have employed. We see people running sales that they shouldn't be running because they can't technically afford them. There's so many things that we can help them with just because they trust us with their numbers. They also trust the opinions that we're going to give them and share with them about what we're seeing in those numbers. And they value our opinion because they already know that we're behind the curtain with them and that we're going to be honest and upfront and sugarcoating something for our client is nothing that we should be doing in our industry. We need to be very straightforward and helping these people grow in their businesses. So that way, you know, we're just supporting and helping more people.
0: Yeah. Love that. So you started out with the basics around explaining profit and loss balance sheet, maybe getting into cash flow forecasting if they're ready for it or when they're ready for it. Over time, what else have you added in terms of advisory services?
1: Yeah, so we also work with clients to set up their budgets. I also work with clients in a little different way than a lot of people in our industry. I connect back their business finances with their personal finances. Again, this was something I was getting a lot of questions about, how do I pay myself? how much do I pay myself? When do I pay myself? And to me, all of those answers came back down to, well, I need to know what I need to know what you need at home. I need to know how much you need to take home to your family in order to make ends meet. And I also need to understand if you're in, you know, severe debt at home, or if you're going to start pulling cash out of this business to support bad spending habits. I don't want anyone diving into business having to take cash out of it in order to support what they're doing at home or on the reverse side. And I've seen this people draining their 401k accounts, trying to support a business that's actually not viable. Mm. And I tell them that all the time, it looks like they're trying to uplift a hobby. Um, that's not even running as a business yeah so we would go from budgeting um, personal finances is again I think that's kind of a specialty on my end I love I love working with personal finances my husband and I are debt-free and and we help other people get that way as well but we've moved on to again um, setting up profit first for them it's almost like the envelope system of our grandparents days for business so we'll help them with that Um, I'm also a certified pumpkin plan strategist and so I'm able to dig in and use the tools that um, have been developed for pumpkin planning. Again, another Mike McHallowitz book. You can see a trend here. And um, we're both big fans. (laughs) We're huge fans and we're able to talk about how their mission and vision really is the thing that will drive their business forward. Um, It's getting their team on board. It's getting the right vendors in place, making sure that their expenditures are correct, that they've got those excellent clients that they can replicate. Just like you would, if you were growing a pumpkin patch, you'd want to grow more of the giant pumpkins rather than having the weeds and the small ones. And we teach, we teach clients how to make sure that they are running the best business possible, um, through a number of different tools that we use with that, but every business is unique in what they would like advisory on. And I would just tell other bookkeepers and CPAs, you know, read your email, listen to the questions that they're asking. They are already asking you exactly what they want, and you can charge a premium for that. You don't have to you know keep your same rates and continue to give them the information. They will pay you for your knowledge and your time. And a lot of bookkeepers will say, well, I don't want to charge them more or I'm scared to raise my prices. What if they fire me? You know, if you're doing your job and you're providing that value that they're really looking for, they're not going to have any problems writing those checks.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. If their businesses continue to grow because of the work they're doing with you, then they're going to want to keep working with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and we want them to grow. Like that's the entire point of of our, of our working with them is we want our clients to succeed because when they succeed, that means that our work is, is valuable as well. And we're not just doing something that has to be done because the IRS needs it.
0: Yeah. And it's not a zero sum game, right? It's not like when you charge your clients for service, they lose. It's like you charge your clients for their cert for your service and they do better, right? You both win.
1: And they do better and then they refer you to other people who they want to have, have, you know, be better as well. They'll, you know, introduce me to vendors, other friends who also have businesses, you know, the word of mouth really spreads. And when we can help one business, we're helping so many others because then they're paying their vendors, they're paying their CPA and their bookkeepers, they're hiring other coaches to help continue to grow. You know, anytime you can increase revenue in a business, the, the chain grows and that's the important part.
0: Yeah. And you do see the money sort of flow in a circle, right? And which is wild because until I read, I forget the soul of money by Lynn twist, which was an awesome book. I didn't really think about money flowing through a system, but when you start to see clients who are making more money and they start to pay their vendors on time and their vendors can pay their vendors and those vendors and on and on and on, it's like an ice jam breaking up. It all starts to break free and flow rather than getting jammed up and everybody's like, oh, I can't pay this bill until I get paid for that bill. And then that person is behind paying their person and it just gets all stuck.
1: Well, and at the, also at the end of the day too, then they're taking more money home for themselves. So many entrepreneurs that I work with have never even paid themselves until we started to work together. So then they're supporting their family. They're starting to live out the dreams that they started this business for. Nobody goes into business so that way they could say, Oh, I want my entire life to be dictated by this, you know, 24-7 job, and I want to do nothing but work, work, work. They go into business to have a flexible life. They go into business to be able to live the dreams that them and their families, you know, have talked about. And if we can get money into their hands. They can start living out the dreams that they have and really changing generations.
0: I'm so glad that you bring this into your work with people because I see it too with my clients and talking about the question, How much money do you want to make? They give me an answer, let's just call it 100K. And then I ask, Is that revenue? Is that net income? Or is that take home pay? And then they look at me
1: blank stares.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We need to clarify this because those three things are not one and the same. And they can be very, very different depending on the nature of your business and how much you pay in taxes. So, working backward to figure out what is the amount of money that you want to bring into your family and then adding on the taxes, going to the net income, figuring out, adding on your expenses and going to gross revenue and doing that whole math is like a whole, you know, we stretch out the picture in a way that they had never seen it before. And I think that so many most business owners don't do that activity at the beginning. They don't even know that they should be doing that. And so of course they don't know how much they should pay themselves, how to pay themselves or when to pay themselves. They have no idea. They're just like, they're just so in the business trying to bring the money and trying to keep expenses down. But like, but that's about it in terms of strategy. So it's so important that you, that you bring that piece in to the planning and the conversation with your clients.
1: And when you talk about that being, you know, basically a backwards calculation and that they need that in the very beginning, that's interesting. And I appreciate that you agree with me because I actually just launched um, my bottom line academy. And my very first lesson is helping an entrepreneur walk through what do we need at home? What are we spending in the business? And it actually includes a calculator that they can drop the numbers right into in order to make that calculation. And they know exactly what they need to be making in revenue in their business every month to be able to take home the amount that they need um, in their family.
0: Yeah. And a whole other conversation, there's the amount that they want to take home and there's the amount that they need to take home.
1: Well, and the calculator is sort of fun because they can play with it too. If they can say, all right, I'd like to take home this. What does that mean? What's that mean? Yeah, it will, it will tell them instantly, you know, what that actually looks like and what that increase in revenue needs to be.
0: Love that. Let's talk about. Can we talk about how you got to your rates?
1: Yeah. So they just keep going up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So tell us how you got there and what, if any, mistakes you made along the way or what sort of lessons you learned along the way about your rates, hourly rate, and if you went to retainer. So that's like 15 questions in one. Have at it. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Also, I'll kind of give you the rundown of just how my pricing has progressed over the days of Craigslist ads to um, to today. And at first when I started, again, this was a side hustle. And I think it's really important to say that the money that I got out of this, I wanted for a very specific reason. So my rates were super low. My I was charging you know, a monthly bookkeeping rate of $250 a month just because I needed cash in the door. So I was trying to get volume of clients rather than quality of clients. And that was absolutely my biggest mistake in business was just bringing someone on because I needed them. When we're in a position to need a client, we're going to have terribly low rates and we're going to have clients we do not want to work with. I can tell you that of all the clients I grabbed up off of that Craigslist ad, I wouldn't work with a single one of them today. And I don't work with a single one of them today but they wouldn't even have made it past my discovery call application. I would have, you know, at this point, weeded them out. So we can kind of talk about how I got there as well. But I started out really low with clients that, again, I was desperate for. Once I started to realize the type of work that I was getting into and how complex some of this was, my my hourly rate went up. Um, again, I was charging $50 an hour, I think, when I oh, just boy. started out. Okay. And, oh, I know. Like. I cringe thinking of that. (laughs) Um, I quickly moved to, you know, $75 an hour. And then I realized that monthly pricing was really where I needed to go because some of these clients were only taking a few moments to get completed, but I knew I could charge higher and I needed again, more money coming in. But I also wanted to weed them out with the price. Because I wasn't willing to fire somebody because I thought that sounded scary. I thought it made me a bad person that I didn't want to work with them. So I thought if I could just price them out of service, then that was gonna be the uh, the way to do it. Again, I wouldn't do that today. Um, but it was definitely something that I was doing at the time. Once I was able to pay off the debt and I wasn't taking clients on from a disparity point, I really looked um, and went through a pricing model that was that was value pricing. I stopped doing hourly very, very early on in my career and now still do project based or monthly based rates for bookkeeping. Um, I also have a minimum. I never had a minimum before. So I have a minimum of $550. These are going to be some of the smallest clients. They, you know, we're only talking about an hour's worth of work, maybe on a monthly basis, on top of an hourly call where we go over and, you know, talk reports and that kind of thing. So I, I also won't work with anyone, um, at a lower rate. And I have a solution for that, um, that I've created. Cause so I have a lot of people that come to me that, that can't even afford that base rate. So we have a solution for that. And then I have consulting clients that are, you know, up to $2,000 a month. And we're not doing any bookkeeping work together, but we are making huge gains in their, in their businesses and they are making that back in dividends.
0: Awesome, I love that. So I mean,
1: to, I mean, to go from that like $50 an hour to, um, to $2,000 a month for maybe two hours worth of work, it's mind blowing to think about the jump that I was able to make. But now the work that I'm doing at those higher rates, I love. I love the work that we're doing. I enjoy the clients. They enjoy the work that we're doing together. And again, because we are the right match, there's not an issue with those types of payments. There's not an issue with, you know, I don't get pushback um, on my discovery calls. I actually charge for all of my discovery calls. And if a client doesn't want to pay, you know, the low $75 fee to hop on a discovery call to see how we could, you know, change their world, they're not the client for me and I'm okay with that.
0: Mhm. And the piece about the monthly retainers and you know that your clients are totally fine with that and they don't give you any pushback is if the value is there, right? If they make yeah. far more money, if they are far more profitable by working with you, then it's not a problem. It's worth it to them.
1: When we're bringing in extra hundreds of thousands a year, Exactly. Then the 24 that they're paying me is a drop in a bucket. You know, it's not even a percent of what they're making. Um, I have looked at um, the consideration of going to a percentage of um, profit increase pricing. I'm not to that level yet. Yeah, I'm not willing to change my rates, but it is something I've considered. I've run the numbers, and and it could make sense in the future. Um, I know that there's a number of people who I respect in this industry, and they do um, base their rates off of a percentage of increase in um, net profit. So that's something probably to consider for the future for me, but that's not quite where I'm ready to go yet.
0: I love that you bring that up and I want to come back to that. But before we go there, let's briefly talk about your journey and your niche because in previous conversations, what I know about you is that you have started to give some more shape to your niche. So can you tell us where you've come from and where you are now with it?
1: Yeah. I used to think that niching was a really bad idea. Again, I I think you've maybe gathered from this conversation that I get bored fairly easily. (laughs) And I thought that finding a niche would be extremely boring. I thought, why do I want to work with a whole bunch of people in the same industry? Because right now I have a lot of different clients. And when I started out, we had clients in so many different industries from, you know, lawn care to authors and realtors and doctors, you know, we had all kinds of things. So it was always exciting and it was always something new. That I was able to learn. And that fell right back into my love of education. So I thought it was perfect. I thought, who needs a niche? And then the more I started hearing about it and was listening to again like podcasts, I would listen to other professionals talk about how they'd niche down. And you always hear the saying, you know, the the riches are in the niches. And I thought if I, you know, hear that one more time, I'm just gonna fall over. Like I was done with the niching. Well, I can see now why it is. That, that is so important to do. Um, so not only is it not boring, but you are able to become the true expert in that arena. So whether it's a person you know niching in micro gyms, or it's a person niching in physicians or dentistry, that kind of thing. Not only does it give the ability to again become the expert because you're going to learn every single thing about that industry. You're going to start seeing trends in their finances. You know, many doctors have the same challenges. Many Dentists have the same types of challenges, whether it's insurance related, um, the types of clients and and patients that they bring in, you know, so many different things. Um, So I started to look at my client list and decide, you know, who I had the most of, what was I really able to wrap my head around, and where was I seeing a lot of things that I could really help in. And for me, it was the real estate industry. I also learned really, really quickly that people in the real estate industry have a short, um attention stand. Yeah. um
0: yeah, so it's <laughs> a challenging niche to pick.
1: It was probably the most challenging niche. Um and what I learned from it is that a lot of people, and this kind of goes back to the, hey, we're behind the curtain with you as your bookkeeper. But a lot of the realtors I was working with, they had a, an online persona which was super charismatic, and they were really convincing to people. And they acted as if they had this huge business and that they were making all of this money and had these new cars and all of these things. They were also the same exact people who, behind the curtain, had piles and piles of debt, dozens of credit cards, back you know, back car payments, HELOCs on their house paying outrageous amounts of money um, for their multiple CRMs and advertising, different marketing strategies, that type of thing. And it wasn't one realtor that it was like this. It wasn't two. It was almost every single one that I was working with. And at one point I had about 12 realtors that I was doing this with and all of them were in the same boat and all of them were making the same projections online of how fabulous that that their brokerage was or that their team was. And I knew the difference. Like I could tell that there was these major things happening. And so when I would approach them about bringing in advisory services to them, so we weren't just doing their books, but we were going to make true change to their numbers. Very few actually moved forward with it. They really had the struggle where they wanted to imagine they could outsell their stupidity. They wanted to imagine that one more closing was going to fix everything, or one more team member was going to fix everything. They didn't they weren't ready to listen to the hard truth, um, that I could share with them. And so I actually, you know, I found that to be a trend in that niche. And while I'm still, um, happily serving the real estate industry, I've changed who I'm working with in that. And I want, I want those realtors and those brokerage firms who really want change for them and their team and are willing to invest in the training and are not only willing to invest in it, But are willing to do the work. So it wasn't that I had the wrong niche, I just had some of the wrong people within that niche. And I think that's very similar with niches in general. Like just because you have, you know, 10 amazing dentists, you might have 20 more that don't fall in line with the program that you're wanting to put in. So I think you can even niche within a niche. Um, So now I'm working with boutique brokers who have a you know, a a limit that they'll have or a minimum that they'll have on the types of houses that they sell and their teams are closing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of houses a year, but but it's a much, much smaller group of people rather than just real estate as a whole.
0: Right. Okay. So you're getting down, not quite maybe in a micro niche, but like a wedge inside the niche.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree now, even though I didn't, uh, I didn't see it clearly to begin with when I was told that I needed a niche. Now I see why, because then when I talk to those brokers from the second that we jump on that discovery call, I can probably tell them what their three biggest challenges are. And when I can say that before they do, they're like, wow, I found the right person. I know who I need to be working with. (laughs) And I can tell you, it makes those closing those sales a whole lot easier. And it makes increasing that price a whole lot easier as well. So somebody who maybe I was doing that you know, minimum five fifty or nine fifty a month. With great, we can still do that for bookkeeping, but we're putting on an extra fifteen hundred dollars in in consulting services, and they're firing their coaches on top of it. Which coaching in the real estate industry is a huge. Well, I'm just going to call it out. It's a huge scam, because most of the coaches coach because they can't sell.
0: Hmm. Really interesting. There's a lot in there to unpack. Um, there's one piece that I want to. So I'll back up and say that I'm deep in the middle of Brene Brown's um, Gifts of Imperfection book.
1: Awesome. I love
0: it. (laughs) And I totally love it. If we can just finesse this one phrase, outsell your stupidity and have it be outsell your spending.
1: Outsell your spending. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Because I know so many people who are in debt and they feel really guilty and shameful about it. I want them to remember that it's just a numbers problem. And it's an emotional problem, but we don't want them... But they're not stupid because they've gotten themselves where they're. They've just made some choices that have gotten themselves where they are.
1: There's definitely people who are in debt. Who I was one of them. I was seventy thousand dollars in debt from just sheer ignorance, and and that was something that I was able to get out of. I see others who truly go into debt, knowing that it's the wrong decision because they need to keep up a persona. That they have the expectation that others, you know, see them as. That is not ignorance. That is you know, doing this intentionally. Um, and unfortunately what that does is it not only brings down their business, but it does have impact at home and on their family and their kids. And that's the sad thing that I, that I don't want to see. I think if somebody, you know, is out there working their tail off and they just don't know what they don't know, that is completely different, um, than intentionally trying to keep up with the Joneses or, you know, trying to you know that facebook lifestyle that we see so much of and there's definitely a difference between people who are doing that
0: yeah when the numbers aren't there to support it yeah so what have you found with your new wedge within your niche how is it working for you what's the impact to you and your business
1: so i love this um and again it has it has come up to the point where i'm working with some great boutique brokers and that's kind of what i'm calling them as boutique brokers because they've niched within Real estate, and they are referring me to others. My prices are able to go up again. I'm I'm not going in at the minimum rates any longer. We are able to eliminate their coaches, which if we can free up a fifteen hundred dollar coach, that then can shift that those funds to our organization, and we're able to actually again make them more money then it is beneficial. So I'm really enjoying it, and I I almost regret not niching sooner. Thinking that it was a big mistake and that, you know, that was kind of just the ploy out there for CPAs and and bookkeepers, you know, finding this niche. I kind of just thought that was a buzzword. And I'm learning that it's not a buzzword. It's really the place that I enjoy being. And it's also easier when I do have clients come to me. It's not that I only work with real estate brokers um, in that niche, but it does help me say yes to opportunities that I know I want to be a part of. And it's easier to say no to those. Um, that I know just don't really fit what, what I, you know, what I do and how I can help someone. My knowledge is really coming into, you know, how can we help make um, these businesses more money when they feel like they may only have one revenue stream, which is closing on a property. And that's absolutely not true. We're bringing more revenue into their companies. We're coming up with unique ways um, and sharing them across industries. And because these people aren't in competition with one another, um, that's really what makes it the easy thing is they're not, you know, they want success with their, within their industry also, because, you know, what is the, what is the saying, you know, a rising tide raises all boats, that kind of thing. And it really is important um, that when someone is doing well within an industry, that they're sharing that knowledge with others so they can continue to do well.
0: I love it. This is so great. So where are you headed now with all of this?
1: Yeah. So it's been really, really exciting. And like I said, Right now, I'm focusing so much on adding the consultative services to my existing bookkeeping clients. I'm bringing on bookkeepers to my team to help do some of the day-to-day work, so we're growing in that way. But because I have a very special type of person that I like to do one-to-one work with, and there's only so much of my time, I have actually opened up um, my Bottom Line Academy, and that is going to be teaching entrepreneurs Um, From the very beginning on how to get clear around their numbers to actually how to implement the tools that we work with one-to-one with individuals in a group setting um, where they get, you know, a Facebook coaching group for a six-week period of time. They're able to use the tools and get all of the assistance that we could give during a one-on-one at a much uh, less expensive rate. Um, They're able to go from where they are, learn the things that they need to grow their business, and then hopefully get them to the point where they're ready to work one-on-one with us. But we're giving them the true foundation um, of what they need to be able to have in order to move forward and have the work that we would do together um, make a difference.
0: Oh, I Love it. I love it. I love it. So what are we going to be celebrating you for in a year from now for having created and accomplished?
1: Yeah, so in a year, I will have had my very first students um, go through my course, like it's going through beta here in the next couple of weeks. I have one course in beta now. It's going through its second version of it. Um, another one will open in October. We will launch for the first time in January for our six week course open to the public. And um, I'm hoping that you will also um, in within a year be a guest on my podcast that will be coming in 2020 also.
0: Oh, no way. You're starting a podcast.
1: (laughs) I am. I've been, it's been in the works um, for almost a year now. And just with the Academy launching, it's kind of been on the back burner, but it's been something I've desperately wanted to do again to reach, um, to reach my niche. And to be able to really talk to them in a different way, um, but, but I would absolutely be honored if you would be one of my first guests um, when that gets up and going.
0: Oh, I would love to. Oh, that's so exciting! Oh my gosh! If you ever need any, if you ever need any help, you let me know.
1: Oh, I definitely will. Um, I can tell you that you're on my list of people that I need to chat with as I get this up and launched. Yes, because um, I love yours and I want to be able to uh, to see the same success with it. So it's it's really exciting. We've got a lot that's being built. Um, like I said, just growing my team and adding on to it and doing a lot of new things. I want to reach as many people as possible to help them get out of debt, connect their personal and business finances, and really get them on the road to profit because I want everyone to find the type of success that we've been able to have. And I, I never think that there is you know, not enough room out there. I think there's no competition for anyone and we all have the same opportunity to grow as big as we can.
0: Oh, I love it. You just answered my last question, which was, if anything were possible, what would you create?
1: Yeah, that's it. I I get that question all the time. People are saying, well, you know, what about your competitors or, you know, Being a member of, you know, being a part of Profit First, people are like, well, how could you be with that many, you know, bookkeepers and coaches? Aren't you just giving away your secrets? And I said, yes, I'm giving away all of them. Yes. And I'm getting theirs too, because it makes all of us better. I think the fact that that's who you work with is awesome because there's so much knowledge that is needed in our industry. And we all have so much that we can share with one another. And I just think that, again, sharing all of that across, across different platforms and different groups is just so critical to the success that we can have as an industry, as well as what we can do to help our clients.
0: Yeah. And there's no shortage of business owners who need financial help and expertise to become more profitable and thriving. Absolutely. I love this. This has been so great. Tracy, thank you for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Geraldine. You know, I love talking to you and we can always ramble on for hours probably between the two of us. And so (laughs) this has been absolutely great. And thank you for sharing me with your audience.
0: Thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. There was so much in your story that I appreciated and that I think our guests will appreciate too. Some nuggets that stick with me are being really careful to attempt to out-earn your spending as a business strategy, better to get your spending underneath your current earnings and grow from there. And be really careful to make sure that you have a viable business rather than using your hard-earned savings to prop up a passion project. Another one is what your clients want from you is in your email. If you go back and not just read your email, but truly listen to what is inside emails from your clients, you will have everything you need to begin offering advisory services. And the last one was, remember that your clients are often less than forthcoming about what they don't know, and to not make assumptions about what they know and what they don't know. I did a whole episode, episode 042, Decoding CPA Speak, clarifying nine common terms used by CPAs. So if you want to put yourself back in your client's shoes, go back and listen to this episode to help you reframe where your clients are in terms of understanding of some of the terminology that you are so fluent in. Because your regular business owner often has to think to remember which one's the gross and which one's the net. Remember that they're not fluent in these terms the way that you are and you have to meet them where they are rather than where you assume they are. Remember, a great way to find out where people are is to ask the question, tell me what you do know about da-da-da-da-da, and then they can tell you what they know, and you can read between the lines and get a sense of where they are. Most people are reluctant to tell you what they don't know, and they won't simply come out and tell you what they don't know. So if you can ask, tell me what you do know about da-da-da-da-da, then you can meet them where they are. To find out more about her work and to connect with Tracy, check out tracyjepson.com. And if you want to know more about her group coaching program, it's at thebottomlineacademy.com. I will put links to both of those websites in the show notes. Remember that I'm here to help you grow your accounting practice. And if you want to know more, check out my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com. You'll be able to find out more about free upcoming workshops and webinars, as well as other ways to work one-on-one together if you want more support. That's it from me, everybody. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Registration is open now, but it won't be for long. Go to GeraldineCarter.com now to enroll today.